Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. For those of you that like uh, and you enjoy facts, uh, you're going to love today's teachings because it's kind of full of factual information as we introduce this Bible character, Dr. Luke. But before we do, listen to this. It's called the Children's Bible in a Nutshell. And this is true, by the way. Little boy wrote this. This is true. In the beginning which occurred near the start, there was nothing but God, darkness, and some gas. The Bible says the Lord thy God is one, but I think he must be a lot older than that. Anyway, God said, give me a light. And someone did. Then God made the world. He split the Adam and he made Eve. Adam and Eve were naked, but they weren't embarrassed because mirrors hadn't been invented yet. Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating one bad apple, and so they were driven from the Garden of Eden. Not sure what they were driven in, though, because they didn't have cars. Adam and Eve had a son, Cain, who hated his brother as long as he was able. Pretty soon, all the early people died off except Methuselah, who lived to be like a million or something. One of the next important people was Noah, who was a good guy, but one of his kids was kind of a ham. Noah built a large boat. This is a child that wrote it. Calm down. Noah built a large boat and put his family and some animals on it. He asked some other people to join him, but they said they would have to take a rain check. After Noah came Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was more famous than his brother Esau because Esau sold Jacob his birthright in exchange for some pot roast. Jacob had a son named Joseph who wore a really loud sports coat. Another important Bible guy is Moses, whose real name was Charlton Heston. (laughs) Moses led the Israelites, L-I-G-H-T, the Israelites out of Egypt and away from the evil Pharaoh after God sent 10 plagues on Pharaoh's people. These plagues included frogs, mice, lice, boughs, and no cable. God fed the Israelites every day with manicotti. And then he gave them his top 10 commandments. These include, don't lie, don't cheat, don't smoke or dance or covet your neighbor's stuff. Oh yeah, I just thought of one more. Humor thy father and mother. One of Moses' best helpers was Joshua, who was the first Bible guy to use spies. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the, and the fence fell over on the town. After Joshua came David. He got to be king by killing a giant with a slingshot. 
He had a son named Solomon who had 300 wives and 500 porcupines. My teacher says he was wise, but that doesn't sound very wise to me. Well, after Solomon, there was a bunch of major league prophets. One of these was was Jonah, who was swallowed by a big whale and then barfed up on the beach. There were also some minor league prophets, but I guess we don't have to worry about them since they were minor. And after the Old Testament came the New Testament. Jesus is the star of the New Testament. He was born in Bethlehem in a barn. I wish I had been born in a barn too, because my mom always says to me, close the door. Were you born in a barn? It would be nice to say. As a matter of fact, I was. (laughs) Well, during his life, Jesus had many arguments with sinners like the Pharisees and the Democrats. (laughs) Jesus also had 12 opossums. The worst one was Judas Asparagus. Judas was so evil that they named a terrible vegetable after him. Jesus was a great man. He healed many lepers and even preached to some Germans on the mount. But the Democrats and all those guys put Jesus on trial before Pontius the Pilate. Pilate didn't stick up for Jesus. He just washed his hands instead. Anyways, Jesus died for our sins and then came back to life again. He went up to heaven, but will be back at the end of the aluminum. His return is foretold in the book of Revolution, out of the mouths of babes. That's funny. That's funny. Luke chapter 1. Today we'll do an introduction. I told you, get your pen, get your pad, get your heart. I told you that if you like facts, today is your day. I'm going to give you a bunch of facts And we're going to talk about uh, the first four verses in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Now, Lord, bless it to our hearts. Lord, may we receive from the Spirit what you want to say. Father, even as I will speak, your Spirit will touch and your Spirit will reach every single person in this room. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your word. It's precious. It is valuable. It is needed for our lives. Cause us to hear it and to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone, everyone who agrees said? Amen. Amen. That's the best amen y'all can do. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Much better. Look at verse 1, chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order... A what, saints? A narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who, in verse 2, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses, would you underline that? And ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me, Luke says also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account most excellent Theophilus, and here's why, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Saints, stop right there. Please give me your attention. As we always do, as I think it is important, a good 
background and a good backdrop and lay a good foundation before you study the scriptures. You guys know if you've been here, I'm a context, context, context guy. And it's important to read the Bible in this context. Otherwise, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Can you say amen? And people can take the scriptures and make it. You can make the Bible say anything you you can support any sin. You can support anything you want just by lifting the verses out of their context. You can support suicide. Well, the Bible says that Ju- Judas went out and committed suicide. And there's another verse that says, go do you likewise. Put them together. What do you have? Oh, yeah. Well, we should all go out and commit suicide. Context is important. Background is important. Foundation is important. So let's lay a good foundation today as we begin um, our study in the Gospel of Luke. And then the next time we are together, um, then we'll continue on in chapter one. Now, let me just give you some uh, facts that uh, that uh, you may or may not care about, but I think they're kind of interesting. If you have a pen, you might want to write this down. Did you know fact? Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 equal 30 years of Jesus' entire life. Two chapters, we have 30 years of Jesus' entire life. In Luke chapter 3, verse 19 through 28, it equals three years of Jesus' life. And then in Luke chapter 19... Verse 29 through 24 equals one week of Jesus' life. So one and two, 30 years. Three through 19, 28, three years of Jesus' life. And then 19, 29 through 24, verse 53, the end of the book, equals one week of the life of Jesus. Only 8% of the book deals with Jesus' life before ministry. 25% deals with his last week before he died. Did you know the Gospel of Luke, fact, is the longest single book in the New Testament? Luke is the writer of the book of Luke. Luke is also, are you listening? Luke is also the writer of the book of Acts. And when you put Acts and Luke together, they constitute 28% of the New Testament. Now, there are some people who believe that Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Hebrews. And there are still others who believe that a guy named Barnabas wrote the book of Hebrews. And then there are some very good, credible, solid Bible scholars who believe that Luke is the author of of the book of Hebrews. And if that be the case, that Luke is the author of the book of Hebrews, if in fact that's true, then that would mean that Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. Interesting thing about Luke is that it is written in refined, academic, classical, beautiful Greek. And Luke's Greek, stay with me, is better than Paul the Apostle's Greek, as you read the New Testament and Paul's writings, and as you read Luke's writings, you can see that Luke's writings are more academic than even Paul. And they're more true to classical Greek and and, and just beautiful, beautiful Greek. Now, the key verse to the entire book of Luke is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, 
This is a memory verse for you. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and I have it on the screen. I know I do. There it is. The key verse for the entire book, listen, I want you to read it with me. It's so good. Read it with me. For the Son of Man, everyone read it with me. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the key verse for the entire book. The whole book kind of centers on this verse. So the Gospel of Luke, we learn from this verse, is not only for the Jews, but it's also for Gentiles. It's also for Samaritans. Are you listening? It's also for poor folks. It's for rich folks. It's for respectable folks. It's for despised folks. It's for tax collectors. It's for religious people. It's for non-religious people. This book is for black people and this book is for white people. What are you saying, Rodney? I'm saying this. This book is for everybody. Are you glad about it? Clap your hands if you're glad about it. This book is for everybody. Now, there are some people who have asked me, and perhaps they've asked you as well, why are there four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why are there four Gospels? Well, listen, there are four Gospels because we have four writers who are painting a portrait or taking a snapshot or a picture of Jesus from a different angle. So you have four writers... And each of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is painting a different image, a different portrait, a different snapshot of, uh, of Jesus and his life and his ministry. Now, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the Synoptic Gospels. S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C. Synoptic Gospels. And that literally means that which is similar or that which is like the other. They're known as the Synoptic Gospels, the first three. So we have Matthew, the portrait, listen, the portrait or the snapshot that Matthew has taken of Jesus is that of a king, that Jesus is the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. There are many Jewish references, listen, There are many Jewish references and Hebrew idioms in this gospel. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. I like to say it as simple as this. Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. That's the whole book. Matthew is a Jew. Did you hear me? Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. Matthew paints the picture, the portrait of Jesus as king. And then we have Mark. Mark paints the picture or the portrait of Jesus as the servant of man or the servant of God. So as you read through the gospel of Mark, you'll see the phrase like, you'll see phrases like, and immediately or straightway or quickly. So the gospel of Mark, it moves quick. Jesus is the servant of God who moves quickly and immediately. Mark is writing to a Gentile audience throughout the Roman Empire. And then Luke, this gospel right here, he writes to show that Jesus is the perfect God-man. The emphasis in Luke is on, listen, don't miss it, the emphasis in Luke is on the humanity of Jesus. The audience of Luke is not to the Jews or to the Romans, but it's to the Greeks. And keep in mind, if you've been around here, you know this, the Greeks were developed in their thinking. They had the idea of the perfect man. 
in appearance and the perfect man in intelligence, all in one. So Luke is writing to show Jesus is 100% man in this order, that he is 100% man and 100% God. In Luke, there's an emphasis on compassion of Jesus. There's an emphasis on the touchability of Jesus. In Luke, there's an emphasis on the tenderness of Jesus, the Son of Man who came to live among sinners to love them and to help them and to die for them. That's the portrait that Luke paints of Jesus. And then finally, listen, John, well, John is in a class all by himself. John writes to show the deity of Christ, that he is 100% God. Not 75-25, not 50-50, not 60-40, not 70-30, not 90-10. But he is 100% God. That is why John wrote this epistle. That is why John opens his gospel epistle. I've been saying that for months. It's a gospel John opens this gospel with, in the beginning was the Logos, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1.1. So John's point is to prove that Jesus is, and to show and to paint the portrait, that Jesus is 100% deity, that he is God. And John revolves, his gospel revolves around seven specific miracles and the seven I am statements of Jesus. So the focus of John is the deity of Christ, and he makes that clear that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me tell you quickly a little bit about Luke. Who was he? What did he do? Luke, if you're taking notes, he was a physician. Luke was a doctor. Luke probably was a slave. You see, it was very common in those days for wealthy people to own slaves in Rome. It's very possible that this guy by the name of Theophilus, and I'll tell you more about him later in the program, this guy Theophilus probably owned Luke because the Bible refers to him as almost excellent Theophilus. He probably was some kind of Roman general or something like that. And Luke was his, he owned Luke as a slave and Luke was his doctor. Very, very common in in, in that culture. So um, Luke was probably a slave. Luke is the only Gentile author in the New Testament. Did you know that? He's the only Gentile author in the New Testament. Luke was probably from the city of Troas. He was a close friend of Paul. And he went with Paul on his second and third missionary journey all the way to Rome, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. And as you read that, you'll see as Paul is at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, are you listening? As Paul is signing off this letter, he says in Timothy, Luke alone is with me and Demas has forsaken me and have, having loved this present world. And when Paul was beheaded, it's very possible that Luke was standing right there. Very possible. Luke was incredible. He had an incredible life. He remained unmarried his entire life, and he died at the age of 84. Now, there are many things, listen, in the gospel of Luke that are different from other gospels. And 
one of those many things is the fact that the Gospel of Luke is filled with songs. Luke probably loved to sing. He loved to do praise and worship. He loved to sing. We find many songs in the Gospel of Luke. We have the song of Christmas. We have the song of Mary, the Magnificat. We have the song of Elizabeth. We have the song of Zechariah. We have the song of the angels. The Gospel of Luke is filled with parables and miracles that are only found in Luke. And they're not found in any other gospel. There are six miracles that Luke mentions that the other gospels don't. Get this. There are 28 parables in the Gospel of Luke. And 18 of them, are you listening? 18 of them are not mentioned in other gospels. So Luke gives us fresh new parables 18 of them, the parable of the the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. You know the story of the two guys on the road to Emmaus and Jesus shows up talking to them? Well, you'll only find that story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. So as you look at Luke, you will notice that there's a compassion in his writing. And naturally so. He was a doctor. And I don't know about you, but ain't nothing worse to go into a doctor who is not compassionate. Amen. Especially in the prices of medicine and healthcare today. Good. At least you can show some compassion. If I come and tell you I'm sick, don't tell me go home and eat an apple. You better do something for me. Oh, Pastor, I'm uh, doctor, I'm sick, I'm sick. Really? Well, that's because you ain't taking care of yourself. I'm like, yeah, you need to be fired or get out of the HMO system or something. What's going on with you? Luke was compassionate. You know, somebody once said this. I love this statement. They said, a minister sees people at their best. A lawyer sees people at their worst. And a doctor sees people as they are. And that's very true. Luke sees people as they are, as he writes with compassion. And as you read this gospel, you can clearly see that Luke loves people. And Luke has a special place in his gospel for women. Elizabeth, Mary, you'll find them in his gospel. Anna, Martha, Bernice, Candace, Dorcas, Drusilla, Joanna, Lydia in the book of Acts, Priscilla, Sapphira. All of these women are in Luke's writings. He gave special place to children, the childhood of John, and the childhood of Jesus. Dr. Luke loved people. Doesn't that beg the question, Christian, what about you? Do you love people? Do you love people? You know, the mark of a true Christian is that they love people. Can you say a better amen than that? Jesus said that they will know you are Christians by your love. Uh, We think that people will know we're Christians by how much we speak in tongues. We think people will know we're Christians if we shout. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. You're okay. Some people think, oh, they'll know we're Christian if we carry a really, really big Bible. Or they'll know we're Christians if we go to church often. They'll know we're Christians if we do this or that or the other. Jesus said people will know you're Christian by your love one for another. We need to love each other. You know, there are some people who will tell you, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I love God, but I just don't like his people. 
Somebody actually told me that one time. I ain't kidding you. They said, oh, I just love Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Got, you know, they started speaking in tongues and doing that. And they were all caught up in the spirit. I love Jesus, but oh, I just don't like the church. I don't need to go to church. I don't like the church. I said, well, that's crazy. You can't love Jesus and not love his people. We are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. And you can't you can't live without your head. Somebody say amen. Goodness, great. Y'all making me work hard. <laughs> you, you, you need the head and you need the body. You need a complete person. And for you to say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like his body, that doesn't make sense. If you're a Christian, you need to love people. Jesus said, you, they'll know you're Christians because you love people. Dr. Luke, he loved people. Now, notice in verse 1 in your Bibles as we try to move forward here. Look at verse 1 again. Would you look at it again? Inasmuch as many in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.